This podcast contains sensitive content which some may find disturbing. Information shared here should not be construed as medical advice. If you or someone you love needs help with trauma, chronic pain, or anything else we discuss here, please seek out a medical professional. All resources shared are for entertainment purposes only. All content represents the opinions of Kim and Anna and any special guests and do not necessarily reflect the positions of any organizations they work for. This is not ideal, but we're going with it. A mother-daughter podcast about chronic pain, trauma, mental illness, and more. Kim is a trauma therapist and certified addiction counselor who lives in Pennsylvania, USA. And her daughter, Anna, is a scoliosis sufferer and trauma survivor living in the tropical north of Australia. Join us each week as they discuss topics from their life experiences. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome back. This is Not Ideal, but we're going with it, the podcast. I'm Kim and I'm the mom. And I'm Anna. I'm the daughter. And we are going to pick up where we left off last week with our story about the first half of the leg break that I had, which was mom and I's first real, real hard experience that we had together while very far apart uh, geographically. Absolutely. Yeah. So where did we leave off? Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Boy, you that's were great. just, you were waiting in the hospital for 12 days, um, while you kept getting yes. bumped from cert from the surgery schedule. They needed this major surgery. They were first, they were waiting for your leg to, um, de-swell and then they were mm-hmm. every day was a new day of chance. And then you didn't get the surgery every single day. You yep. were going to get the surgery and then you didn't get the surgery. Yep. And Excruciating. I every-, <laughs> every time the nurses came in at 11 PM and told me, all right, you've got one hour to eat before we start fasting you again at midnight. And I would say, you know, because it wasn't until 11 p.m. that the theater closed, the surgical theater closed each day. Right, not the movie theater. No one was worrying <laughs> about that. <laughs> and they would say, all right, the last surgeon just went home for the day, so we're not going to be able to to start uh, trying to get you operated on again until tomorrow, say, at 5 a.m. And By the I way, remember- that's, what they call, that's what they call surgery over there, right? The theater or something? Yeah, well, as you'll recall, 30 seconds ago, I said the surgical theater. So... That oh. people were probably tracking with me. <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't hear that part. <laughs> I did hear and do remember every day and just being over here on this side of the planet thinking, what in the world? Because every day they were really literally starving you. So you were losing weight. We're getting ready for this major surgery. We're being told it's it's pretty big and we need to be concerned. And so, you know, but every day you're losing weight, you're not getting any food, and then you've never yeah. really been a big eater anyway. So I'm sure they're bringing you hospital food at night and you're like, eh. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't need to get into my uh, eating habits here on <laughs> podcast. Were, you, were yes. you a vegetarian at that point? I think you were. I was, yes. And as a quick side note, the only vegetarian meal they had there was what they called vegetarian vegetarian sangas, which is Australian for sandwich, which is a generous term because what it was, was two <laughs> slices of Wonder Bread oh with my. shredded carrots and shredded lettuce. There was no sauce, no cheese, oh. no filling of any kind. Yeah. So that's what they would bring me at 11 p.m. at night. Your big Thanksgiving banquet at at the end of the day that we're all pinning our hopes on (laughs) was like lettuce, carrots, and no mayo. And plus you were nauseous. So you were, we were really worried. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. But I, uh, that's true. It was pretty bad. 
Uh, but I remember every time the nurse would come in at 11 p.m. and say, definitely no surgery today. We're hoping, you know, oh, starting at 5 a.m. Right. tomorrow. I remember yeah, that. That was noon my time. Yeah, well, it would have been 9 a.m. your time, but it was splitting hairs. <laughs> oh, well, every day um, was ruined for me. So yeah, same <laughs> at that time. But I remember it. Well, yeah, works for you. Oh, my word. Let me talk. <laughs> Let me go finish ahead. my sentence, lady. You finish. You start <laughs> now. This is uh, your story. You. you go. Mm, thanks. Mm. <laughs> Um, every time the nurse would come in and tell me that I would look at her and say, because they kept using the example when I would say, why do I keep getting bumped? They would say, well, every time somebody comes in with something urgent, like say a car accident, you get bumped from the roster. And so every time the nurse would come in and tell me you've been bumped, I would say, how many car accidents happened today? (laughs) And every time she would say, well, it's not just car accidents. And oh my word, it got so infuriating. I'm like, yes, I know. Surely there are not enough car accidents happening in this very small town (laughs) to occupy an entire public hospital for 12 days straight. Like if so, I want to see the traffic jam. (laughs) That was me doing some investigative reporting. That was not me actually believing it was a car accident. (laughs) Yeah, like she thought that I was actually believing that every hour a new family came in. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So let's talk about some of the things that happened uh, in those. Let's start with the first few days. So the first few days, I'd been given no treatment. They had still not been able to find any painkiller that helped me at all because. And for those of you who missed the first podcast, you got to go back to the first episode one to hear what happened to her, why she's in the hospital. Okay, go. Thanks. Wow. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, for those of you who didn't hear the first one, yes, you should go back and watch it. But also quick recap, I'm opiate resistant. Opiate as in opioids, uh, opioid painkillers, which is a class of drug that most people are familiar with already. So I won't go into it too much, but the strong painkillers, basically all strong painkillers normally fall into the class of opiate and I'm resistant to all but one of them. And that one is extremely restrictive and uh, restricted rather in this country and in America. And so I didn't actually find out that that opiate worked for me until just this year, but that's a whole different story. So at the time when I had broken my leg, there was no painkiller that worked. I had been there for several days. And I remember at one point, I also couldn't sleep because I was in a communal room with three other women who were delightful, uh, although they ended up ruining my life in, in some way because one of them had staph infection in her knee. And because the nurses were, maybe it was the nurses, maybe it wasn't, but I ended up catching her staph infection in the end. Are you there? Oh yeah, I'm here. I'm listening. I thought you were gone because you weren't interrupting me. I, I'd gone so long without you. I was just taking a little sip of coffee. It's oh, early okay, here. Enough. Yeah, it's late here. Yeah, uh, I know. That's our problem. <laughs> All it's right. always it's always uh, late there when it's early here. It's always late here when it's early there. But anyway, keep going. All right. Now that you're done, let's uh <laughs> just kidding. That I was know. funny. Let me take another sip Courtesy of coffee laugh. while you talk. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh <laughs> so yes, I was in a communal room, three other women, all of which uh they were all a bit elderly, and they all snored like a steam-powered train. I mean, truly, it was like sleeping on train tracks with the amount of sound that was happening in my room every night. And I remember I had depressurization earplugs that you had gotten for me, mom, for the plane ride because I struggled with um, getting really bad earaches. I know you probably haven't even heard this part of the story yet, but I had these earplugs. They were called 
air plugs or something like that. A play on, uh, or earplanes, I think. Yeah, <laughs> earplanes. Like I don't know. Yeah, earplanes. Earplane. Yeah. <laughs> and they were rubber and they had sharp tips. They weren't supposed to go really deeply into your ears, but uh, I was so, I mean, I was seriously on the point of psychosis after like the fifth night of not getting any sleep. And, you know, the nurses wake you up every, every couple of hours anyway to do observation. Uh, observations on you, you know, blood pressure, things like that. And so I was getting, I was getting no sleep and I started to plug my, my these little earplanes, <laughs> these little earplugs into my ears so deeply that I would wake up every morning with two searing earaches and like a deeply seated headache mm -hmm. because of how hard I'd pushed these into my ears and I'd slept with two pillows over my head. It was just, it was horrible. Mm. So that was, that was the kind of the first thing that started to really wear me down, not eating and not sleeping and being in a lot of pain around the clock. You know, that would, that would do in the best of us. And I remember sending you a Snapchat or something like that, or, or a photo of myself on Facebook messenger or something of me. And I had a puffy face from not sleeping and from, you know, I just looked like I had been pretty worn down. And I remember sending you this photo and just saying, mom, I am in so much pain. It hurts so bad just because I didn't, I didn't know what to, I didn't know how to communicate it. I mean, I was in so much agony. I just, that's all I could do was send you a photo of my face so that you knew what I was feeling because I knew my face would show you more than my words could explain how I was feeling. And I remember that was actually, um, it was a, a morning when I got that Snapchat. As soon as I got anything from you, I was opening it, looking at it, panicking about it. And, um, <laughs> I was standing at the kitchen sink and I opened that snap and there you were in so much pain and said, you know, it was like a Snapchat. So it disappeared and mm -hmm. I just vomited. Dad was sitting there. I vomited right into the kitchen sink and dad is like, what is happening? And I was just crushed by that Snapchat. A Snapchat is not my friend. I do occasionally use Snapchat still, but it's still, it, I, it still scares me quite a bit. So anyway, yeah, that was a yeah. really, really tough time. We, you know, not only were you not eating, you weren't sleeping, you were going into a pretty major surgery, pretty much as weak as you possibly could be. So we were very concerned. Obviously we were powerless yeah. and just, it was elongated. You know, once we knew you had surgery, it was like, okay, let's, let's figure this out. Let's get her home. Let's, you know, all that. And yeah. it just kept going on and on. It felt like we were never going to get out of it. Yeah. It felt like that for me as well. I remember well, Aaron yeah, for you, but I mean, you know, for us, it was also not, I mean, it wasn't even on par because we weren't in the pain, but we were in all kinds of stress, but dad was really good for me. He's a stabilizer and uh, he was there and he just said, we, you know, we just got to pray. We got to stay strong because uh, yeah. we're not sure what's coming. So anyway, keep going. Yeah. So then what happened? Well, that whole, the whole next probably six, seven days after that, after those first couple of days was just a blur of like nightmare after nightmare. I remember just, just flashes of these bad memories. You know, mm. it's all that my brain has retained. I think my brain has really tried to smother a lot of it. But I remember at one point being oh, wait, woken up. I wait, we forgot to put a butt tingle warning over this whole podcast. <laughs> no, don't worry. We're not we're not to the butt tingly part yet. I'll oh, warn okay, you guys. Okay. Don't worry. Okay. I always remember to give the butt tingle warning because my butt starts tingling <laughs> thinking about what I'm about to say. <laughs> well mine always tingles, but it's already after you talk start talking. But anyway, okay, keep going. Well yeah, so I remember this is just one of the flashes I have is I'd finally fallen asleep, finally, around 4 a.m. And at 4.55 a.m., I'm woken up by at least six different people yelling at me. <gasps> and I had a pillow over my head, so I whipped the pillow off my head. I And suddenly I feel something really cold, like ice cold on my foot. 
and I'm still like blinded. I've got a pillow over my eyes. So I ripped rip the pillow off, unplugged my air, my earplanes. My earplanes <laughs> in the shape of planes also, as I recall. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I had two actual Boeing 747s in, in each ear. That's how bad it had gotten. And I l- quick looked down at my feet, you know, and I would, all the lights in the room, someone had turned all the lights on, like every single, normally they keep the lights off in the hospital room when it's still that early in the morning because it was a communal room. Is but this before or after the on. surgery? Have we had the surgery yet? This is before. I was okay. discharged the day after my surgery. Oh, so pretty right. much all of this was After before. all that yeah. waiting. But yeah. Okay. So we're still, yep. we still haven't had the surgery yet. We're still in that agonizing time period. Okay. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So I... And, you know, my eyes are adjusting to the light and I look down and I see this Indian man speaking so quickly and loudly in his, in with a really thick accent. I've got no idea what he's saying. And he's got a pair of scissors and he's chopping through my gauze on the top of my cast. And he's like poking me with the edges of the scissors. <gasps> and it's this leg that is still completely busted and broken and swollen and so sensitive oh, since none of the painkillers are working. And he's talking to these probably seven students who are watching him doing what he's doing. And, you know, he's chopping, chopping, chopping through all the gauze. And we have a photo of that. I, you know, maybe we'll post that on our Facebook page for those of you who want. Well, maybe that's too gruesome to post. But that might be too much. Might, might be too much. Uh, and I just remember being so confused. You know, I was waking up and I was thinking, oh, my word, what's happening? Am I going to lose my leg? You know, mm-hmm. because suddenly this man, he's yelling. It's 5 a.m. It's been several days, you know, since I've been told, you know, it's going to be a while before you can have surgery. That was terrible. It is. And then this is just a funny, funny side note. They all left except one guy who had glasses. He was a blonde haired guy. He's pretty short uh, glasses. And he was typing away at his notepad. And he asked me a question about my leg, something like, so how's your pain today? And he spoke in an, in an accent and it was a North American accent. Oh. And I said, and I, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was taken aback. One and suddenly I felt so, exactly. I felt so friendly. You know, here this Indian man had been yelling at me five minutes prior. And now suddenly one of my people, you know, maybe I could get through to him, man, please, can you get me out of here? Get me surgery, get me help. Send help. And so I said, yeah, but listen to what happened. I said, oh my word, are you American? And do you, do you know what he said? No. He looked at me and he took a step back and he looked at me as if I was the scum of the earth. Oh, and he, he said, he said, oh, no, I'm oh. Canadian. <gasps> that stinker. <laughs> and I go, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm American. <laughs> I, hey. And I said to him, I said to him, I'm thrilled whenever somebody mistakes me for being Canadian. I'm, you know, I'm sorry if I offended you. And he goes, of course you are. Oh. And then he storms oh, out of the room. my word. Thank you very I, much for leaving. I know. He, <laughs> and people always say Canadians are so nice. And here this guy. Well, the Canadians I know are nice, but that one, that was a, that was not very nice. He was like the stinkiest of stinkers, I swear. Oh, you poor thing. That was Uh, a hard time to get that person in your room too. I know. Anyways, then I saw him the next day and he, he apologized. Oh, good. Uh, well, <laughs> well, he should. Not of his own, not of his own volition. He came in and I was like, Hey, you were mean. You were oh, mean yesterday. <laughs> good for you. You were mean. You hurt me. I, yeah. I said, listen, I'm only, you know, how am I supposed to tell the difference? You said three words to me and it was hard enough when, you know, I'm in right. this situation and I just picked up on the fact that you had a North American accent. Plus I didn't say, are you, from the United States of America, I said, are you from North America? Which Canada is a part of North America, the continent. So 
frankly, he was wrong and he needed to check himself before he wrecked himself. That's right. And he had so he to apologized. Say, I'm sorry. And hopefully he learned his lesson. Hopefully he did. And if not, I hope he's listening. And at this point, I hope at the very least he's learned his lesson now listening to one of yeah. his former patients complain about him. <laughs> Absolutely. But anyway. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot of experiences like that of not being understood by people and living off of graham crackers and so-called vegetarian sandwiches. Yes. <laughs> vegetarian veggie sangas. And then surgery day came and we were like, yay, thank you. We are going to be released yes. out of this prison of torture. And, and then that's when I started to really depend on Aaron because everyone else had left. And so I was like, Aaron, like, I know I don't know you, but I need you to quit your job and just stand next to my daughter for the rest of your life. Because <laughs> I, I seriously yes. was like, uh, he's like, well, I do have to go to work. And I was like, uh, I don't care. <laughs> I, need you to, <laughs> I need you to stop what you're doing in every way. And yes. you are my lifeline. So anyway. Yes. And I still have those messages between you and I about Aaron. And oh, he's we saying- do. I don't think I don't think Aaron's gonna be all right. I mean, we we're not dating. He doesn't even know me that well. This happened on our first date. Yes. I mean, you know, and it was it was supposed to be like a get to know each other date. It wasn't even like a let me take you out date. It right. was what a very casual, non-committal. Oh, I don't, you said so many things. I've kept them, but I've never shown them to Aaron because frankly, they weren't very nice. <laughs> there was something like, he's got nothing better to do. You are the priority. Yeah, I know, I know. That is exactly what I was saying. I, I definitely was like, I do not care, uh, you know, what you think you have to do other than take care of my daughter. But I was kind of an, I was yeah. a little bit insane. I think Dad would probably say I was kind of a losing my mind at that point. And so, yeah, probably, probably is an understatement. He would definitely say that. I think I asked for uh. a contact <laughs> of his fa- all of his family members and relatives because I. <laughs> I wanted a, I wanted the team approach and I well, wasn't getting it. So anyway. You did you Facebook friend requested him as soon as I broke my leg. Exactly. So this is a guy that I'd known for like two days. Exactly. You friend requested him immediately. You also friend requested my friends who had yes. brought me to the hospital. Exactly. And the guy who went to Subway, friend requested him. Yeah, the sandwich guy. The, the, the staff members that thought it was a sprain, a friend, a friend requested the whole world around you. And uh, some accepted it and are still my friends to this day. And some are still pondering. Might not be after this podcast. (laughs) Surgery day did roll around. Finally, eventually. We already knew you weren't doing well with painkillers. And we're like, how's it going to go with anesthesia? All that stuff. I was very concerned about whether they were going to be able to keep you asleep. Um, I couldn't really talk to any doctors. Every doctor I did make contact with ended up sending me on to another doctor. So I was just like, I was running around in a a maze of, of, uh, what do you call that when you're in a maze? A labyrinth. Yes, that's the word, girl. You are so wow, and yet here you wow, and here you are telling me learnt isn't a word. I'm still, I'm still going to propose. I will put it out to my listeners whether or not that's uh, really a word. But anyway, I was in a labyrinth. That is a great word of Australian. What is it? It's labyrinth. It's not labyrinth. It's labyrinth. Labyrinth. It's labyrinth. It's not. It's not labyrinth. That would be the syllable. That would be the emphasis on the wrong syllable. (laughs) And okay. (laughs) All right, Miss Correctional Officer. How about you? uh... All right. And I was in a labyrinth because I like extra syllables. I was in a labyrinth of confusion and it was the worst time to be stuck in uh, one of those. So anyway, but you keep going. So you had the surgery finally. (laughs) 
We got it going. Okay. You're way definitely skipping ahead here, which is understandable oh, since sorry. you're not the star of this podcast. And yet here back. you are. Start it back. We only, got, <laughs> we only have 10 minutes left in this show, so you're going to have to squeeze it in. Not really. Not if you don't keep uh, cutting me off. Here. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, funny how that works. Did you want to yeah, ask me so any finally, questions? You can ask me some questions. I'm just kidding. Okay, go. If I could sigh as loudly as possible without creating a lot of static here in our recording, I would. Oh, okay. So surgery rolled around and this was the first time that I, this is the, the first memory I have that was really fear filled because they said, you're going to surgery. So put this gown on. Aaron was actually with me there at the time, which meant that he was the one who had to help me get into the gown because it's hard to change out of, I think I had like athletic shorts on at the time and like a tank top or something like that. And he had to help me. I don't know if I've ever even told you this, no. but he had to help me change into a gown. Which, is that where the fear came in? No, oh. no, this was way before. This was, this was pleasure territory, man. I was, I was fine <laughs> all the way up until they pulled out the needles. But yeah, he actually had to help me change and we weren't even dating at that point. Uh, so yeah, so that, that's getting a little honest with everybody here. Church listeners, please don't, uh, please don't turn us off. So he helped me get into that. And then, you know, I passed my phone to him and I said, listen, my mom is going to be freaking out for the next however long it takes. What? And the doctors had said, yeah, they told me that the surgery was only going to take 45 minutes, 30 minutes to 45 minutes because, and I quote, we've done this surgery heaps of times. So they said really simple surgery, real easy in and out. I said, okay, that sounds good. So Aaron helped me get changed into my gown. They rolled me out on the surgical bed. And they roll me into this back room. And I said, where are we? And they said, oh, we're just right before, you know, this door here. So they rolled me through one. And then the next door right in front of me, they said, past that door is the operating theater where you're going to be, where you're going to be operated on. And so this is just the surgical prep area. And I said, oh, okay, what happens here? And he said, well, here's where we start you on the sedative and, and the uh, anesthetic. And then, you know, we'll put you fully to sleep as soon as you, we get back into that room. And I said, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And so they sit me down and they said, so we're going to put some local anesthetic into your leg. And I had the biggest panic attack of my life. I said, oh my word, am I not going to be asleep for this surgery? Yeah. Are you not putting me asleep? You know, is it just going to be local anesthetic? Are you kidding me? I, my leg is broken all the way from my knee to my toes. You know what I mean? Oh my word, it was so horrifying. And they said, no, 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 we'll put you under general anesthetic as well. And I still remember them saying this. But just in case the surgery oh. is quite extensive and you wake up with a lot of pain, we're also going to put in a nerve block into your leg. Oh. And I said, oh, okay, that's fine. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't the scary part. <laughs> so they pull out this tiny little needle. You know, the needle is maybe an inch long. Should you do the butt tingle warning? And I said, warning? oh, my word. Oh, yeah, this is the butt tingle okay. warning for sure, especially for oh, those of you with forgot. needle phobia. I remember okay. that time. <laughs> hmm. Wow. Maybe next time you could also remember the word labyrinth when you're trying to think of it. <laughs> I remember it. Labyrinth. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so they pull out this tiny little needle, an inch long. And I and I look at the guy and I say, oh, is that all? That's not bad at all. And he goes, oh, no. And he looks at me and he raises his eyebrows. He goes, oh, no. This is the local, local anesthetic for the local anesthetic needle we're about to put into your leg. And he, so he takes this little needle and he put, you know, puts it in my leg and he numbs the area under my knee. Why and would I'm you thinking, have to be awake for oh, all this? No. I don't understand that. This question I have asked myself since it happened. Yeah. And then he turns around and he picks up this needle. And I think that maybe every time I remember it, it gets a little bit longer. Probably. But realistically, it was at least like eight inches long. I mean, it was so, and it was thick. Mm. And I said, oh my word are you going to put that whole thing into my, 
leg under my knee because they were going into like the pit of my knee, right? Like where your armpit would be only on your leg. So that really sensitive spot that's like never touched. And I thought, oh my word. And he goes, yep, we're just gonna, we're gonna use an ultrasound machine here to guide where I put the needle. And we're just gonna try our best to find the main nerve, the sciatic nerve under your knee. And I thought, oh no. And so he takes this needle and he jams it so far up underneath my knee that my whole leg jerks out. And he goes, oh, what did that feel like? And I looked at him and I said, it felt horrible. And he he said, oh, well, I have to know because the way it feels, you know, that that can tell me whether or not I've hit the nerve. And then he hits it again. And it felt like a huge electric jolt went through my leg and my whole leg kicked out. And he said, oh, was that it? Was that it? And I'm like, I don't know if that oh my was goodness. it. You're the medical, under you're the medical already. Medical. What in the world? Oh, my word. And they said that they had started me on the sedatives. But as everybody knows, I'm really resistant to that stuff. And so I was not sedated in the slightest. Having a full-blown panic attack oh, here baby. is they're sticking these needles up underneath my leg. I mean, this this needle was like something you would see in a torture Aww. scene from a horror movie. I mean, it was it was horrific. Yeah, they usually and they, you know, they should have yeah. just put you under before all that. Maybe they do that now. They should have, but they didn't. Hopefully. That's they Um, Yeah. Anyway, so they finally, they get the nerve, they numb it. I remember the feeling of them injecting that stuff into my nerve. It was just, oof, it was horrible. And then finally they bring me back there. That gets sorted. You know, I'm already starting to tear up because of how scared I am. They bring me back and they go, okay, count, just count to 10 under your breath. And it's supposed to be, you know, 10, nine, and then you're supposed to fade out. But instead I got all the way down to like like two or three before I finally fell asleep. Negative one, (laughs) negative two. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, so then I'm asleep and finally I get woken back up and the, and a, a nurse, he was, I remember what he looked like still. Hold on, hold on. Was, I got to, I got to well, interject here. So you were, you were on, in surgery. Actually, I think it was six hours. Is that correct? I, yes, I was going to get oh, to well, that. Well, this is nut. the part that was hard for me because I, Aaron, I guess he thought he had to go back to work and I was like, oh no, no, you're going to have to just wait there because you're no, but he did go back to work. And that's what I he told you to break back. up with him. <laughs> I did. He did go back to work at hour I five. And yes, like, the, the, I didn't know it. I at could the time. not believe he went against my command to stay there and quit his job. I was very disheartened by that. And yeah. I do, I do think there's evidence on the messages that says, you know, this guy, get rid of him because he left. And so <laughs> then I'm stuck with like having to email like the other people which were, it was just, oh my goodness. Uh-huh. And no one was there then when you came yeah. out, right? No one was there when you came out of surgery. Nope, there actually was somebody there, which is why I was oh, telling the story. Was there Was it an angel? <laughs> there was somebody there. Oh, no. It was my the one person that I knew from my organization that hadn't gone to Papua New Guinea. She was Aww. waiting for me there. They rolled me out of surgery from the theater to the surgical recovery room, and I waved to her a little bit, and she was shocked that I was awake. But as we know, I wake up quite early from anesthesia, so I was fully conscious. And they roll me back, and this nurse comes up to me and he goes, so how are you feeling? And I just yeah. said, I'm in so much pain. I, I'm My leg is killing me. I'm in so much pain. And he goes, all right, well, you're already on the maximum dose of morphine, and, you know, and the anesthetic is still wearing off. And I said it's not working. I need something stronger. And he goes, all right, well then we'll put you on ketamine. And he had me on ketamine then for almost a whole day. Which actually worked, which was nice because you were at least out of agony for a little while. And the speech that we kept getting over and over again, like you're on the maximum dose and we we don't have any other options. I mean, that, that was the beginning of us realizing like, what is going on? Because, you know, you, you, we've never run into this before. And that was when we discovered that 
ketamine actually gave you some relief, although it also came with many, many, many difficult side effects. Mainly hallucinations, which I remember was one of the main things that I experienced there in the Townsville Hospital in the surgical recovery ward. But uh, it seems like maybe you have interjected enough that we are almost at the end of our podcast. (laughs) Yeah. But there's always episode three. There is, but let me just quickly wrap up episode two because I this I don't want to drag it on to a third episode because that would just be too frightening. But yes, I was finally woken up. It took six hours. And at the very end of my hospital stay there, I was recovering, coming out of the anesthesia and out of the ketamine then for the last day in the hospital there. And in my last hour of being in the hospital, they hadn't told me yet that I was going to be able to be discharged, but Aaron came and visited me there in the last day. It was his first time seeing me after the surgery. And I remember he came in and I was still quite drowsy because I I was still still you know coming out of it and he sits down on the side of my bed and he looks at me and I look at him and we're just silent and he picks up my hand and he looks he he takes his pinky in my hand and he goes you just have the cutest little Aww. pinky nail and I remember looking at it I squinted at him with my drug addled eyes and I started laughing a little bit to myself because in my brain I just thought you know cuz we still hadn't started dating we we had gone to get to know each other on this <laughs> friendship date and then I'd broken my leg and hear this whole, it's like we'd been through a lifetime of suffering here. And then, you know, he had said, I had even said, I think you want to date me in the middle of the hospital stay while I was in agony. I said, listen, I know that I'm attractive and I know that you are attracted to me. So we should just cut the crap, start dating. And he said, you know, oh, I, you know, I'm, I, that's not, that wasn't my intention. I, I don't think I, I'm ready for a relationship right now. And I said, okay, then fine. You know, and he, he was so spooked. <laughs> he was shook. And so then he left and <laughs> He was he shook to the core and he comes. So then he comes back and is there for me during surgery while I'm asleep. So I didn't see him even before my surgery or directly after because he got there after it started and left before it ended. And so then he came in the day after my surgery. And this was the first time I'd seen him since he said, I don't think I'm ready for a relationship. And I'm so sorry if I gave you the wrong impression. And I was still confident that he did, in fact, that he did want to date me. And so I was just waiting for this to happen. And so he comes back and he says, you just have the cutest little pinky uh-huh. nail. And immediately I thought to myself, <laughs> I've got mm-hmm. him. Hook, line, and sinker, baby. Not a chance I, in the, the world this guy's getting up free now. So. And <laughs> <laughs> well, then the nurse came in right after he said that. I mean, like, as he was still holding my hand, she came in and said, great news, Anna. We heard from the doctor that you're ready to be discharged. Yeah, it was like surgery, waiting for 12 days, surgery, six hours, and then literally... Uh, out on the street, like two hours later. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. The next morning. Yeah. And I remember looking at her with this blank stare and thinking, no, I have no one to drive me home. And just that thought of being so lonely and alone. And I've just been through this horrible thing. I'm still drugged up. I'm nauseous. I'm in pain. And then Aaron looks at me and he goes, I'll drive her home right now. And and he goes, I'll drive her anywhere she needs to go. And she goes, well, are you going to be able, somebody's going to need to push her wheelchair. And he goes, I'll do it. I'll do everything. I'll bring her to my car. I have my car here. I'll drive her to wherever she needs to go. Uh, And he he said, I've got it. And I just remember looking at him and thinking, you've got it. You've got me. And now it's going to be you and me. And I'm convinced that you're in love with me already. So... (laughs) Aww. And that so that was a sweet ending. And we will end this unless you have something more to say. I always have more to say, but it can wait till next time. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So join us next time when we continue the story. And we are well, so no, glad it's not, you're with us. 
It's not going to be. It's not going to be this story. We're going to move on to a next, right. a new story but next same, time. But kind of the same story, but, right? Because after you came over to the states, all that stuff. Oh yeah, the second half of the story. Yeah, we, we we'll go into the second half of the story next time. That's right. We are so glad you're with us. I'm Kim signing off. And I'm Anna also signing off. We'll see you next time, guys. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us today. Stay tuned for more podcasts from Anna and Kim on the new series, Not Ideal, But We're Going With It. Also, check out their new website at www.notideal.net.